Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Um, man, uh, we appreciate that worship set. Uh, this is right to my left was uh, Daniel Green, and to my right was Mary Elizabeth Beasley, Daniel and his uh, wife, Brooke. Uh, and Daniel is um, our guys' ministry director, a worship associate here. Mary Elizabeth is our girls' ministry director. They've been not only leading uh, our students all weekend long, um, but they've led worship for us this morning as well, which is awesome. And so uh, we're grateful. <laughs> grateful for their work this weekend as it is important. As the students have been learning uh, discipleship, we're going to learn the same. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 is where we'll start. We're going to look at verses 42 through 47 and uh, learn together discipleship. The Bible says in Acts 2, 41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. This is what we looked at last week, that people can be right with God now and forever. Still, if you are here today and wondering for yourself, people can still be right with God now and forever. You can have new life on earth. You can be fit for heaven. And when you turn from your sin and turn to God by faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, salvation comes. And when people truly believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord, the Spirit of God begins to work in their life. And the Scripture shows a next step of obedience being baptism and a new relationship of community being the church. The church is the body of baptized believers. It is a supernatural community, not a building, a supernatural community of people bonded together by common faith in Jesus Christ. Common faith in Jesus Christ by people all over the world. Yes, all over the world, but as we said last week, the efforts of the universal church are experienced through the local church. We finished our time last week by challenging each of us to consider our involvement in the local church. To consider what your level of involvement was, is, and should be in the local church that you call your own. But understand this. It is not the goal of Lindsay Lane Baptist Church to make you church members. It is not the goal of any local church to make you church members. It is the goal of this local church to make you a follower, disciple of Jesus Christ. And out of that, you'll be a good church member. Amen? A disciple is one who faithfully follows Jesus by learning his word, living his ways, and serving his purposes. One who loves the church and one who reaches the community. That is the definition of a disciple. And with that statement in place, let's look together at verses 42 through 47, which is a summary of characteristics of the early church in Jerusalem. Verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. That's our focus verse. Keep reading. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Notice the system. Notice the order of operations, belief, baptism, community, it's within this community called the church where these people who had been gifted by God became followers of Jesus together. Let me say that word again, together. I read the following for your consideration recently, certainly for mine. 
The scripture says, in the Bible, the concern of God in creating the church is not to form persons, but to form a people together. Yes, it, definitely, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is personal. You don't get saved by association to someone else. And God's Spirit makes an individual holy within the life of each believer. And God calls individuals to the work of the ministry and to use those individual gifts. But as we say all that, I would ask you the question, is your salvation, your calling, your gifting, is that just for your understanding and your satisfaction alone? You see, the Bible says that the spiritual gifts that are given to each believer are to be used for what purpose? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, to use them well to serve one another, not to entertain yourself or to say that you've got them, but to use them to help someone else in the church. The leadership gifts that are given by God as God has called people to ministry, these are used for what purpose? For their own glorification and pride that they can say that they have been called of God? No. Ephesians 4, 12 says, to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Notice from this passage in verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, each of you, meaning individually, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. But then in verse 42, the Bible says, all the believers devoted themselves. So they went from God speaking to each individual heart to becoming a church. You see how this works? It goes from you to y'all. Everybody hear that? Our personal relationship with God is not meant for us to keep to ourselves. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 says the work of the ministry continues until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up the standard of Christ. Now I want you to take this note. Our personal relationship with God is not meant to be so personal that it becomes private. Are you hearing me? And you would say to that, yeah, but I don't like people. <laughs> Some of you folks are bold enough to admit that and say, say it out loud. You may not like people, but you need people. The scripture says it's not good for man to be alone. Is that not what it says? And if you admit that you say, you know, I don't, I don't like people. I, I, well, you need people. Listen to this. People need you. The Scripture says, again, not good for a man to be alone. And you would say, yes, but that's in the context of, of marriage. And I've got a spouse, and I've got a family, and that's enough community. Well, hey, did y'all know that some folks don't have their family here? So they need church family like it's family. This is all why you must get through the church hurt, why you must take the pretext of being an introvert before the Lord, why you must stop looking at the church from a consumer's point of view and start considering a contributor's point of view when it comes to the local church. Lord, would you lead us through this time in the Word, challenge us and change us. Lord, in our own heart, expose us for who we are and who we need to be. God, we're grateful for your grace and mercy. We thank you, Lord, for putting us together, all the believers together, Father, as a church family. And Lord, would you bring more in through this local church, Father, to your kingdom. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in verse 42, the process of discipleship is truly marked by one word, devotion. The word devotion found there in verse 42. We've often said this, that salvation looks more like devotion than it does decision because 
A decision without devotion may be, it may be implemented, but it lacks the heart. When a decision without devotion is made, lacking the heart, it will not endure because it's a decision without desire. The scripture says that real salvation is to confess with the mouth that Jesus is Lord and to believe where? And to believe in the heart that God raised him from the dead. It goes on to say that it is by believing in the heart that man is made right with God. This belief in the heart is a movement of your will to the will of God, that the Spirit of God is leading you away from yourself and towards the desires of God. So in Acts chapter 2, once all these folks got saved, it was no longer about what they wanted to do because their heart was not in it for themselves any longer. Therefore, because of salvation and because it's more devotion than it is decision, discipleship is the same. It begins with, and is sustained by, church, hear that. It begins with and is sustained by devotion to God as driven by the Holy Spirit. And the desire given by the Holy Spirit leads to a continual, habitual effort to follow Jesus with the rest of our lives and to follow Jesus with the rest of our church. Amen? What is discipleship? Discipleship is a devotion. And first of all, in the Scripture, it is a devotion to learning together. Verse 42 again says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. But first there is a devotion to learning, a devotion to the apostles' teaching. The earliest converts to Christianity were Jews who believed Jesus was the promised Messiah, but who still had strong attachments to their old life. The earliest converts to Christianity still worshipped in Jewish temples. They still had prejudices laying around against Gentiles. They still even were loyal to the Old Testament law. But God was doing a new work, and because God was doing a new work, they needed to learn a new way. So the apostles began to teach authoritative truths. Now, don't miss this part. And the apostles began to teach the amazing grace of God, and they focused on the life and teaching and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They focused on the redemption plan of God. And this teaching would later be recorded under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to form the New Testament. And listen, the scripture that all of us right now hold in our hands is the same truth the early church was devoted to themselves. There's always, in my preaching, room for sports illustrations. So I ask for your patience for those of you that get tired of hearing them, but this one should connect. There was a professional baseball player, a pitcher named Billy Wagner, who as a kid, he threw right-handed but as kids do, he was outside playing football one day, and when he was playing football, he broke his arm, his right arm, his good arm, playing football with a neighbor. As it began to heal, not too long into the process, later he broke it again, playing on the monkey bars with kids. And this sidelined him for the first time, and then it sidelined him again. And so because he did not want to sit out any longer with a broken arm, he dedicated himself to learn to throw with his left hand. And he began throwing everything he could find with his left hand. He dedicated himself to it. It was a constant. It was a concentrated effort. He was learning on the left instead of the right. He had devoted practice. And guess what? His left arm became his good arm all the way to the major leagues. 
There's an article about him that's actually called this, the born-again lefty. The old nature that we are still attached to, the old world that still remains that we live in, the old flesh, the old life, it is broken, which is why you have sought God in the first place. It's broken and it's weak, and God intends for those who are his, those who are born again, to turn and keep turning from the broken and weak ways of our old life and to learn a new way because the new work of God that he is doing in our life. There is an intentional and a consistent effort to learn a new way of God. And all of this, church, happened together once all these folks got saved. They begin to learn the new way together. Now, if the baseball doesn't work, then let's try this. When you change majors in college, when you change majors, you change directions and you take different classes. Amen? You start going to different classes to learn a different way that you are pursuing. And when you take new classes, showing up is important, but it's what's even more important than showing up, because that's part of it, especially on daylight savings time, showing up is part of it, amen? <laughs> showing up is part of it, but more important in those classes than just being present is learning and listening and asking questions and sharing what you've learned and applying what you've learned. Y'all, when we stop learning, that's as good as we're going to get. And you can apply that to all kinds of things. But when the church stops learning together, that's as good as we're going to get. Learning together is found in the Scripture, and disciples are devoted to learning. And with discipleship, there is no graduation because our standard is holy. There is no graduation in discipleship because of the standard of Jesus Christ. Now, secondly, discipleship is a devotion to fellowship. The Bible says in verse 42, and to fellowship. If you were to ask me what fellowship was a long time ago when I was a teenager, I would have told you that uh, that's when we go into a room that's big enough to hold us all and we eat soul food together. Homemade stuff that everybody's brought to the building and we sit down and eat chicken, a meat and three, whatever it is, and, and that's what fellowship is. If you were to ask some, some in here what they may say according to fellowship would be a, the association with your group that's a day trip or it's, it's a game night or the like. And those things are part of it for sure. But it is and was more than that. The early group, the early church of believers, they shared their lives together. Like they, they shared their lives together. As one author puts it, they weren't meeting together because they kind of felt like they should. They shared their lives together because in Christ, they had everything in common. They truly loved each other. They cared deeply about God and his mission on earth, and so they worked toward it together. The early church was not a casual community. The early church didn't come to church because of an, an obligation or they didn't come to church because it's something that they've always done and they need to rediscover why. No, it was an intimate fellowship. There was new life, a new closeness and relationship. There was a community spirit because of the common bond of Jesus. And what comes out of Christian faith relationships in the local church is what you see in verses 43 through 47. If you skim over that as we've read over that, you will see that they experienced God together. They were in awe of God together. 
The scripture says that they spent a great deal of time together. They worshiped together. They ate together. They served one another, and they enjoyed it. The Bible says there in chapter, chapter 2, verses 43 through 47, they went to worship how often? Every day. Every day. Now, some of y'all are thinking, man, y'all got too much on the schedule. Well, they just went every day. We can, we can bolster it up if we need to. Let me, let me preach for just a moment. When we went to Guatemala on a mission trip, those folks in those local churches went to church every single day after work. You know why? Because nothing else was going on and nothing else was more important. Now, I'm just telling you, it preached to me, it ought to preach to us. Amen? That's why we need to go on a mission trip and why we need to understand God's global church around the world and what it can teach us. Now, church, you need to see this. And I need to see it here in verses 44 through 45 because the Bible says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. And the scripture goes on to say in verse 45, they sold their property and possession and they shared the money with those in need. What flowed from this new community, the people bonded together in Jesus, was an outpouring of generous service. Now, if you're like me, and when you look at this verse and you think of it, you may think, now, now selling your property and giving the money that goes with it to others in need, man, that, that is a significant challenge of the will. Could we all just be honest for just a moment? That is a significant challenge of the will. And probably the question we have right after that is, who would, who would do something like that? Like, who would do something that radical? Can I tell you this? Many people do these kinds of things. Many people do these kinds of things. It's just they do them for people that they know and they love. Can I tell you, in the, in the amount of ministry time that I've had, I've seen numbers of followers of Jesus over the years selflessly give, and I mean grand gesture give, to those folks who are in need because they are brothers and sisters in Christ and God takes care of his church through the church. And those words here are found in verse 45, with those in need. This was not a biblical endorsement of socialism. They didn't pool their resources and then redistribute the wealth equally. No, this is a biblical endorsement of God taking care of his people through his people. And watch this, by his people holding on to their possessions lightly. God does this as the Holy Spirit who is working in us. And giving us the desires towards the things that pleases God. And we know that generosity pleases God. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8 that God loves a cheerful giver. And this is what we see, that the church is pleasing God and how they meet the needs of others. And it's not just generosity of finances alone. Church, generosity is giving of whatever you have that will help. On that note, let, let's talk about what you have that will help. Our church thrives when a ton of folks are serving. Seriously. We, we live and die by volunteers. We live and die by folks that are, that are selflessly serving the body to meet needs. But if I can just for a moment, I want you to entertain this thought. As many of you serve, many of you serve in selfless ways across the board. We see that all the time. But this newly formed community of believers did not serve watch this, did not serve based on what they wanted to do. They did not even serve based on what they were gifted to do. They served based on what the community needed. Did you notice that in the scripture? 
Look again, with those in need, it says in verse 45. So when you hear announcements and there are announcements read and when you hear announcements on the screen and there are communications sent from us to you, from the staff to the church side, when you hear that they are seeking volunteers or presenting opportunities for service and they are taking up as much as a missions offering to as much as eggs for an Easter egg hunt that's due for outreach. They are putting those things out there because that's what the ministry here needs. That's what will help the people and help the cause. So, please consider service to the body of Christ, yes, according to what you desire to do, and yes, according to what you are gifted to do, but church, will you also consider serving just to meet the needs of what the church needs? As seen in the scripture, discipleship, thirdly, is a devotion to obedience. Right after devotion to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship is sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Verse 46 also says, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. The early church would get together and they would have, seriously, they would have fellowship suppers. I remember at Lindsay Lane East, we did this for about a month and a half until we busted out of that building and couldn't do it anymore. We had a little fellowship hall. People would come and gather. They were seeking not just to be at church, but seeking community and getting to know fellow believers that would strengthen them and encourage them. And they could be held accountable to the local church. And we began to have these things called fellowship suppers with the whole church. And we did it in a small room that only held probably 50 people, and it didn't take long, and God blessed, and we begin to bust out of that. Well, what do you do next? Then you go to groups, and your fellowship begins to happen in smaller groups because it, the, the facilities would not hold the folks that were coming in. We thank the Lord for that, but we would have these fellowship suppers. And in the Scripture, the early church had fellowship suppers, but they called them love feasts. And I just get awkward when I say that. I don't know why that is. That's a weird term. Love meals. They would have love feasts. But when they would eat together, they would do so like a family, like a family that loves one another will eat together. Now watch this. Then towards the conclusion of those meals, they would take the Lord's Supper together. So past seconds and past dessert, they would then move to a place where everybody got reverent together and they would take the Lord's Supper. Y'all just telling me that's a good idea, by the way. And, and for review, let's talk about the Lord's Supper because remember the point. Discipleship is a devotion to obedience, right? And to obedience together. The Lord's Supper is a memorial meal where church members together remember the sacrifice of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. It is not a tradition thing. It is something that is biblically instructed to, for us to do with an attitude of reverence. We digest the bread representing the body broken. We digest the juice, which is the blood of Jesus shed for us as a way to consider together the body of Jesus broken, the blood of Christ poured out so that our sins would be forgiven. Is this a tradition in the church? No, it is obedience. Our next opportunity for that obedience is in the month of April. The Lord's Supper is not a suggestion. It is not a recommendation. The Lord's Supper was written in the form of a command, and they obeyed it. It is an ordinance of Scripture, just like baptism. It's an ordinance of Scripture, meaning according to the Bible, if you are a member of the church of Jesus Christ, you should do this for the sake of remembrance of Jesus. To do this and to be compliant is to be obedient, and it's to be obedient together with a great purpose. So COVID or not, Lord's Supper... Business trip for a month 
or not Lord's Supper. Homebound or not Lord's Supper. Away for a while or not Lord's Supper. Live stream or not Lord's Supper. Because the scripture says, do this to remember me. Jesus does not want us to forget, 8 to 80, the price that's been paid for our sin. And so he gives us this. And when, listen, when you remember the cross and you remember God's character and you remember the plan of redemption that God's been working on for sinners since the beginning, and when the church takes it all together, we then in our heart and mind to begin to consider what matters most and it moves us away from all the stuff that matters not as much. You see, can I just meddle for just a second? Guaranteed. There was just a small number of folks in here today that didn't worship at all because you didn't like the lights and you didn't like the smoke and you didn't like the guitars. And some of y'all laugh and you know I'm telling the truth. You didn't sing a word to God because you can't sing a word to God that way. It's got to be your way. That's why God gives us the Lord's Supper right there. He takes you out of your flesh and into your spirit so that you can focus and that if you don't sing out, the rocks are going to, but so why don't you? Amen? And that goes both ways, by the way. Because some of us think, yeah, but the, the choir and the orchestra and the old hymns, I just can't get up with that. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. If that is the desire of our heart to meet our preferences in here today, we've got a long way to go. Y'all hear me? We've got a long way to go. And that's why God gives us the Lord's Supper to bring us back into focus so that we begin to focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. We begin to focus on the mission of the church and the Word of God, and that God doesn't even have to mess with us if he didn't want to. The Lord's Supper is a command to be obeyed. Now, I want you to consider this. If we take the Lord's Supper together because Jesus told us to do it, what else will we do together if Jesus tells us to do it? If we take the Lord's Supper because it's been commanded, we should also do all the other things together because they've been commanded. Like what? Matthew 5, 16. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that they may see your good works and give glory to God. And then Matthew 5, 24 says you need to go and be reconciled to your brother. You need to settle your differences, the Bible says, out of a command. Matthew 28 says go and make disciples and baptize believers and teach them to obey. The scripture says to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. This was all written to the church for the church to do together. And why? Because loving your enemies is not easy to do alone. You need somebody to hold you accountable to that. You need somebody to hold you accountable to getting things right, doing things right, according to what God values. The next devotion that we'll see is discipleship is a devotion not just to learning and fellowship and obedience, but it's a devotion to prayer. The scripture says in Psalm 66, 18, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. You see, obedience and prayer go together. If, if there is sin in your heart today and, and you feel like maybe my prayers are not, not getting past the ceiling, God doesn't hear me, it's not this way in all circumstances, but sometimes we need to search our heart for where the sin is so that we can confess and forsake it. That way we can open up that door of fellowship to pray again. Discipleship is a devotion to prayer. The believers devoted themselves to teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship and obedience in the Lord's Supper, and, and then they devoted themselves to prayer. And Acts chapter 1, verse 14 says, following the ascension of Jesus and prior to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that the earliest group of believers were constantly united in prayer. Students, prayer services and praying together is not a thing that, that old folks do. Old folks, 
Praying together, if you fit into that category and take it personal, take it personal. Praying together in prayer services, younger folks praying together in prayer services and prayer ministries and prayer lists and submitting prayer requests and all those things, that has nothing to do if you did it before because God's disciples are devoted to it again. Always. Because prayer and our demonstration of prayer, it factors God in to what we are doing. How can this be a church, a local church of Jesus Christ if we are not factoring God in together? Acts 1.14 says the early church, but again, when Jesus ascended and before the Spirit of God got there, as they were desperate for God to work through them and in them, they were constantly united together. Faith and works go together. And our greatest demonstration of faith is faithfully praying. Jesus taught the disciples, listen to this, in John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, to ask for anything in my name. Jesus said this, to ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. Now, when you read the Bibles, you need to ask, what does this teach us about God and what does this teach us about man? But there are also supplemental questions. One of the third questions you can ask is this. Is there a promise to keep? Is there a promise to claim? And right here, Jesus says to his disciples, if you ask for anything in my name, which is to give him the authority over the answer, then he will do it. If praying disciples who desire the same outcomes of Jesus, would believe and ask by the name of Jesus for anything that would bring glory to the Father, for anything that pleases him, the scripture says he will do it according to his will. He taught this, so what did the church do? They prayed it. He said he would do it, so they prayed together. Let me be real intentional for just a moment. It is my desire for us for all who consider this your local church, to pray our way into the future. So when God does send leaders, and when God does add campuses, and when God does bring unity out of change, and when God does add to the church by people who are being saved, we will give him the glory and praise and honor because we will think about factoring him in and give him all the glory because he has done it. If we lose our desire to pray together, it demonstrates that, Lord, we're so thankful for where you brought us, but we're not interested to where you'll take us. You see, that's what praying together does, is it leads us into the future together for what God gets the credit for. You may think, well, I don't know if I'm going to be around then. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you will be or not. It's about what God would do in the future that would outlive you, but what God would factor in is your prayers leading to that moment where he gets the glory. Our next prayer gathering is Wednesday evening, April the 5th. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wednesday evening, April the 5th, that's the Wednesday night before Easter, y'all. Y'all know this. Easter Sunday morning is a time when folks who never come during the year will come on Easter Sunday. So church, we need to pray together. Our prayer ministry meets every Wednesday night at 5.45 p.m. in that counseling room back behind the sanctuary. Our groups pray together for each other constantly. They pray together regularly. Our lead staff prays for you faithfully each week by your request. When we stop praying together, we've stopped looking forward to a future of God's glory. 
And as a closing word, don't miss this. Discipleship has the outcome of evangelism. Does not the Bible say in verse 47, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day, the Bible says, the Christians we meet in Acts 2 are not once-a-week observers. They are everyday disciples. The Christian faith was a day-to-day -day reality, and the joy in their life overflowed into a living witness as they testified to what God was doing in their life. These early Christians were saved, baptized, added to the church to become Jesus Christ's disciples together. This is the order of operations for us to see today. And the only response we need to get to in all of us is this. What is God leading us to do now, to do again, or to do that we've never done before? And that is between you and the Lord. As God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And a church that is unified together for the glory of God and the good of man pleases him. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. As Daniel's coming to lead us in an invitation, let me just mention this as we mentioned it last week, and we had a number of people to respond last week. And there's two ways really to respond today. Listen, you, you don't have to come up and talk to a pastor. You don't have to come to the altar. But, but that, there's still something special about the church praying together at the altar. And we're right here right now for you to talk to. So there's no reason why you should have to leave. You can come to us right now. And we can help you to take the next step. But we also have a card that's right there in your bulletin. We have an online connect card that if you will get to it right after we conclude and send that to us, we will follow up with you soon after. We want to help you. We want to help you take next steps. We want to help you take steps to get you plugged into this local church that we desire for God to use in a long time. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And God, we ask today that if there be any here, Lord, that needs to be saved, God, if they look through all those things and they realize, God, that they have never trusted you, they, they are convinced today when they've not been convinced before, Lord, that they would believe in you. Lord, that they would seriously turn from sin and simply call upon your name to be saved the best way they know how. And Lord, if there are those here that have been here for a short time or a long time, God, would you work in their hearts towards a response that we may all strengthen this place to come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of who you are as our Lord and Savior. God, work together to bring us together. And Lord, lead us to next steps of obedience, whether that be be baptized or the next time we take the Lord's Supper to take it for the first time or Lord, to join this church and be a part of it. Lord, to be generous, all the things that we've talked about before, God, I pray that we would put our yes on the table to be the church that you have in mind. Lord, that we would worship you and respond now in spirit and in truth, in Jesus' name, amen. Pastors are here, decision counselors are here, we'd love to help you with the next step.